0: The word of our Lord from Paul's epistle to the Philippians. If there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness, of mine. Let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not to his own interests, but to the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but also even much more so in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless. Children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Yes, and even if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. For this same reason, you also be glad and rejoice with me. Father, we pray, thanking you for your holy word and asking that you would speak to us through your word this morning as we worship you. Minister to us, open our eyes, open our minds and open our hearts to what you have for us. And Lord, may we be forever changed having met with you the holy God. We pray all this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. For the last few weeks, I've been repeating a simple affirmation. The Lord Jesus brings us into community because He made us for community. And because in community and through community, He wants to transform us to be like Him. That is... The end game of the Christian life. To be made like Jesus. The recovery of His lost image in us. The restoration of His likeness in us. Last week, as we've been pressing through this idea of being, finding joy in an unhappy world... Living the blessed life. We talked about generosity and how generosity is not just an expression of our joy, but it's also, interestingly enough, a way that we find joy. The more giving a person becomes, the more joyful he becomes. Because the more like Jesus he becomes. Our model. And this hymn that Paul prepares for us or shares with us in verses 5 through 11 this beautiful hymn of Jesus pouring out His glory for the sake of us, lost humanity, humbling Himself, coming like us, living among us, dying for us, and dying even the death of a criminal. We see the model. We see the the archetype. We see the way that God humbles himself, and gives of himself, is gracious and generous in his self-giving. If you haven't heard last Sunday's sermon, uh, I want to encourage you, please, go and listen to it on the podcast. This week, so two weeks ago, stop for a moment, two weeks ago, we talked about how we find joy in community. Last week, we talked about how we find joy in generosity. This week, we're going to look at How we find joy in sanctity is an arcane term, I know, sanctity. But it's a desperately needed reality because sanctity is about the reality of holiness. The fact is, we need holiness. Believe it or not, you were made for it. I was made for it. We As God's people, made in His image, made in His likeness, we were made to be holy. And so we need holiness. But also the church needs holiness. In fact, God demands it of His church. He is looking for a spotless bride. He is looking for a holy people. He calls us to be a holy people in the midst of unholiness. But also, the world needs holiness. The world is dying for it and dying without it. Holiness is the need of the moment. In fact, it was John Oswald in his uh, opening remarks in his book called Called to Be Holy that um, he said. The future of the church in America, in fact, the future of the church around the world, particularly in the West, depends upon what we do with the doctrine of holiness. What we do with God's call upon our lives to be a holy people. Well, that begs the question, what does it mean to be holiness or to be holy? Holiness is an Old Testament concept. You find it first brought up in Exodus chapter 3 when Moses approaches the burning bush and he's told to remove his sandals for his his feet are standing upon holy ground. We read of holy ground. We read of holy places. Places like the tabernacle. Places like the temple. Places where God's people, because they had met with Him at a particular place, erected altars of worship to Him. Reminding them that this is a place where they've met with God. Therefore, this is a holy place. We read of holy seasons, holy celebrations and feasts and festivals. And we read also of holy people. We think, of course, of the priests of God who minister to Him, who stand as bridges between a holy God and an unholy people, a people who, however, are called to be holy. The prophets of God were called to be holy people. And the kings of God's people even were called to be holy people. Unfortunately, the majority of them failed in that endeavor. In fact, many of them did not even pursue that endeavor. But in the Old Testament, as in the ancient world, to be holy was, was to, become, or, or to be uncommon. It was to be other it was to be different, unique, special. The, the opposite of holy in the Old Testament is a word called profane. And when we hear the word profane, we normally think of words. We think of language. We think of bad words, things that are naughty, things that you don't say around ladies, things that you don't you know, want your parents to hear. That's what we typically think of as profanity. But in the Old Testament, to be profane was simply to be common, to be everyday, to be ordinary. It's, the difference between profane and holy is, is much like in the ancient world, the difference between your good china and your chinette plates. You know, the chinette, that, you break that out when, when, when I'm over at the house or something, <laughs> especially if the kids are there. But the, but the china, that's what you break out when you got special family over. To be holy was to be different. It was to be special because it was to be gods. And so for the ancient people, they thought of the gods as holy because they were different. They were of a different category than we are. And therefore their temples were thought of as holy because they were different places. They were where the gods dwelled, where the gods lived, where holy people who had been given to those gods their priests served and did holy things for those holy gods. But in the ancient world, there was no moral consistency among the gods. One day this God might say his favorite color is this, the next day he might say his favorite color is that, and if you didn't get it right, boom, you were zapped. Your crops might not grow. Your family might not be fed. There was no moral consistency. There was no faithfulness among the gods because they were many and they had many different ideas and many different appetites because interestingly the gods in the ancient world were just like us they just had more power they had bigger toys they were like batman you know lizzie gives batman a hard time all the time because he's she says he's not really a superhero he doesn't have any superpowers and the kids always point out yeah but he's got money (laughs) he's he's got stuff he can buy the toys he can do those neat things because of the money because of the power the gods were much like that. They were just like us. They were capricious. They were plotting. They were, they, were, they were snide. They were rude. They were unfaithful. They had no moral consistency. But Yahweh shatters this idea of holiness in the Old Testament. Because what he reveals to us is that he is completely faithful. He is morally Always and utterly consistent. And so his people must be completely his and therefore must be completely for his use. And in becoming holy people, he calls us to be conformed to his holy character, to live like him. In the ancient world, the gods did not want their servants to be like them. They just wanted to be served by them. But God calls us to be holy so that we might take on his character. So that we might live like him. So that we might be faithful like him. So that we might love others like him. And so what he does is he reveals himself. He reveals his character to us that didn't happen with the pagan gods. There was no revelation of the pagan gods to their people. Because the goal was not to be like the gods, it was simply to keep the gods happy so that the crops could continue to grow so that our bellies could continue to be fed. So holiness is an Old Testament concept, however, The concept of holiness resurfaces in the New Testament. You find it all throughout the pages of the New Testament. Peter, in his first epistle, tells us, Gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts, as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, like silver or gold, from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your Father's But you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. In his second epistle, Peter, toward the beginning of that epistle, says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. In other words, God likeness holiness, through knowing him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these promises you may be partakers of the divine nature, Mm. having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. Add to your virtue knowledge. Add to your knowledge self-control. Add to your self-control perseverance. Add to your perseverance godliness. And add to your godliness brotherly kindness. To your brotherly kindness add love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, for he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. In other words, Peter's saying, if you don't pursue holiness, it's as if you've become satisfied in Christian mediocrity. It's it's as if you've become satisfied in the status quo. You've become satisfied with simply being forgiven. But he tells us, pursue more than just the forgiven life. Peter reminds us that we're called to be a holy priesthood, a holy nation. The Hebrews writer told us that the Father is working in us so that we may be partakers of His holiness. Because without holiness, he tells us, no one will see the Lord. The call to holiness And the promise of holiness is the norm in the New Testament. I'm preaching here from Philippians, but I share all these passages from Peter and from Hebrews to show you that in the New Testament, the call to holiness is, is normal theology. The promise that God can make us holy is a normal idea. It's expected of God's people. And so it's what Paul has in mind when he's writing this epistle to the Philippians. He has in mind that we are to be a different type of people. We are to be God's people. And therefore we are to live like Him and to love like Him, to reflect Him. Jesus came not just to get us to heaven after death, but to make us like Him in heart and life. And the question that's always asked is, well, can anyone be holy? I mean, does God really expect this of us? Or is this just something we strive for with no hopes of ever attaining? Is God just dangling the carrot out in front of us hoping that we'll hopefully be a little bit better than we have been? The scriptures are quite plain to us on this point. Yes, we can be holy and we must. You see, in any command from God is found a promise that obedience is possible. He commands us to be holy, therefore he expects us to be holy. Therefore it is possible for us, fallen as we are, to be holy. See, what we have is a multifaceted problem. We've been told for too long that holiness is just simply impossible. That it's a great ideal, but that ideals can never become reality. But we've also had poor examples of holiness. We've all seen people who claim to be holy and, and are like snakes. We've seen people who claim to be holy and are rude and mean. Some of them are obnoxious. Some of them are just very self-serving, full of themselves. And that's a poor example of holiness. Another part of the problem is that we've got all sorts of mixed up ideas about what holiness is and isn't in our heads. And so what is holiness? I said earlier that the world needs holiness. The fact is those living in darkness need light. Light is the antithesis of darkness. In fact, darkness is not a thing itself, really, but it's only the absence of light. It's like a vacuum where there is no light. Unfortunately, we tend to speak of holiness only in negative terms. We speak of holiness as not being this and not doing that and avoiding this other thing. That's typically how we think of holiness, which in reality sometimes does a disservice to the message of holiness. Because holiness is not merely the avoidance of certain popular sins that we like to pick on. No, God is concerned that we share His character, which is, of course, a positive thing. He's concerned that we live like Him. That we reflect Him. Not in just what we don't do, but but in what we actually do. The life of holiness... Is captured beautifully in Paul's prayer for the Philippians early in his epistle. His prayer is that your love may abound still more and more in knowing him and in all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense until the day of Christ. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. You see, Jesus is looking for a people that live like Him, that love like Him because they've been so filled with His love And so, as Paul addresses the Philippians, he calls them to a life that is very different from the life they see outside of them, from the life that they see being lived in the world. He calls them to things that we often forget about. One of those things is unity in the body of Christ, by the Spirit of Christ, being like minded. That doesn't doesn't mean always having the same thoughts or always having the same ideas or always having the same opinions. But it does mean being in, in life together, being willing to work out differences, being willing to seek God's Spirit's guidance even in the midst of differing ideas and differing opinions. He calls us to humility and to complete surrender of pride and a complete surrender of self-justification, not thinking that our righteousness is our own, that it's something that we've made for ourselves, that it's something we've, we've done for ourselves and we can keep for ourselves, but thinking of ourselves as, as less than our neighbor, thinking of ourselves as, as in service to others not being full of ourselves. Of course, as we saw last week, he calls us to generosity toward the work of God and the people of God. And that is a part of what it means to be holy. Reflecting his self-giving by giving of ourselves and of our substance. But he calls us to also a very unpopular idea, something we like to avoid at all costs, and something that we even hear preached about avoiding at all costs, and that is a life of suffering. See, Paul was intimately aware of what it means to suffer for the sake of Jesus. He's writing from prison. He's writing as one who's known what it is to eat a a beautiful ribeye and also eat a bowl of ramen. Paul knows what it is to suffer. He knows what it is to do without. He knows what it is to be punished. To be hated, to be mistreated, to be ignored, to be forgotten. He knows what it is to suffer. Not just normal ailments of the body like having a headache or a backache that won't go away. But he knows what it is to be rejected by people. To be misused and mistreated for the sake of the cross. And we like to avoid that. But the fact is, that is part of... Being conformed to Christ's image. The suffering servant. And Paul calls us in this call to holiness. He calls us to a relentless pursuit of God's will in his way. Never being satisfied. Not in a bad, you know, bad attitude type way. Obviously there's, there's, there's a joy to be had. But there's something about joy. When you're, when you're around joyful people and you're having a joyful moment, you want it to continue. You want more of that. Some of you are introverts and you don't know what I'm talking about. And that's fine. But think about something good in life. And what do you want? You want more of that good. And so the holy life is characterized by a relentless pursuit of God, a relentless pursuit of Him, constantly desiring more of Him. Constantly desiring to be made more and more like Jesus. Paul says, I want to be conformed to to Christ in his resurrection and even in his suffering, if that's what it takes. I want to be like Jesus. I want more of him. And he calls us, as he calls the Philippians, to a life that is filled with joy, peace, and hope. Because it's a life filled with joy. With love. Filled with love for God. And filled with love for others. Which is what Jesus said is the sum total of all that the Old Testament was trying to call us to. To love God with your everything. And to love others. Not just the general population of the world. That's, that's often something we try to do. We try to be very abstract about loving our neighbor. we want to love all the children in all the world. But John Wesley said, who is my neighbor? He's two people. He's the person before me and the next person I meet. In other words, my neighbor is the face that I see, the hand that I shake, the neck that I hug. The neck that I hug. Got that, those consonants mixed up there. So where are you? That's the question. Are you in pursuit of holiness? Or have you become satisfied with Christian mediocrity? Wow. Just thankful to get in. To be, get, to be getting in. Because the fact is, mediocrity kills. Yeah. It will always destroy you. Just settling will always corrupt your soul. Perhaps this morning you're saying, you know what? I don't know what to do, Pastor. I feel like holiness is this enormous mountain and I can't get up it. And I don't know how I ever will get up it. And that's, that's actually a good realization to have to know, hey, I don't know what to do. Just remember, though, if, if holiness is a mountain, you can't turn around and sit down and rest on the mountain. you got to keep going. you got to keep your, your face forward. you got to keep your face toward the top. And as I often tell you and often tell my kids at home, when you don't know what to do, do what you know to do. And so I want to offer you a few suggestions, six of them. Very quickly, we'll run through them. The first is because mediocrity kills, surrender to the Spirit of Christ in prayer. I mean, literally pray Holy Spirit, I want to be consumed by you. I want to be more like Jesus. Make me more like Jesus. That is a good prayer to pray. And that ought to be our prayer every day of our lives. Make me more like Jesus. And with that in mind, as you're praying that prayer, strive to live life centered on Him, conformed to Him. Think intentionally about the life you live, about the way you go about your day, about how you start your day and how you end your day, about how you interact with people throughout your day, how you speak to your wife. I'm preaching to myself here. How you talk to your kids. How you spend your money. Living life centered on Jesus, conformed to Jesus, it will change your life. It will change your priorities. It will change your schedule. It will change even your budget. So strive to live life centered on Him and conform to Him. Praying all the while, Spirit, make me more like Jesus. I want to live as Jesus lived. Find some heroes of the faith and warriors in the faith and follow them. Paul admonishes the Philippians to not follow bad examples of holiness. Do not follow self-serving leaders. But he presents to them specifically by name, Timothy and Epaphroditus, as perfect living examples of living a holy, loving life. A life that's completely given over to Jesus for the sake of the gospel. A life that's completely given over to living for the sake of the body, the church of Jesus. Heroes of the faith and warriors of the faith don't have to have lived 200 years ago or 1800 years ago. I've got some really good ones in mind that lived back then, but I also have some really good ones in mind of people who live today in this time. People that have poured into my life that I knew if there ever was a holy man, this was one. Women that I've known and know today that if there ever was a holy woman, this is one. We all need heroes, not just little kids looking up to baseball players. You wanna look up to a baseball player, look up to Freddie Freeman. I'm name dropping him twice, Christy. She told me six generations as a salvationist in the salvation army. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Find some, some some holy heroes and follow. There's nothing wrong with saying that. Paul even said about himself, follow me as I'm following Christ. Here we're about to get fun. As Peter Pan told you, think happy thoughts. Paul told the Philippians to focus their minds on those things that are good and true and beautiful. Whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report. If there's anything that's praiseworthy, think on these things. Meditate on them. Get them deep down into the recesses of your brain. Focus on the good. That's not just some transcendental optimism where we escape the, the, the pains of life. But find the good. find what's holy. Find what's what's truly joyful. Find what's truly beautiful, and pour that into your brain. pour that into your mind. That might mean you know listening to some simple, beautiful holy music while you're doing things you don't want to do, like mow the lawn or wash the dishes. work on spreadsheets at work, whatever it might be. But fill your mind with. With grace, build, happy, or build habits of virtue, habits of joy, gentleness, prayer, and thanksgiving, as Paul commands. And Paul promises that as you build these habits of virtue, That God's peace will meet you there. God's blessing will be upon you. And lastly, rest in the promise that Paul made to the Philippians. He who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ. It's easier to chalk it up and say, hey, I'm not perfect, God's still working on me, and really do nothing about pursuing holiness. But when Paul tells us God is at work in you and He will complete it, he goes on to talk about how we are called to pursue holiness because we're called to be a holy people. We're called to be a different type of people. People living in darkness. People living without hope people living without joy, people who are living a cursed life, they need to see light. They need to see joy. They need to see hope. They need to see what it is to live as the blessed people of God. And so we'll end with reading a couple of verses that we just read from chapter 2 again. And think about this. As you have always obeyed, Paul said, not as in my presence only, but even much more so in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless, and here's the kicker, blameless and harmless, children of God, without fault, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life. He calls us to be like Him, to meet with Him in community and find joy in that, to be generous in Him and to Him, And find joy in that. And to live a a sanctified, holy life, a life that reflects Him, that is filled with love for God and filled with love for our neighbor. And He tells us that there's joy in that, that there's real hope and joy for ourselves and for the world in that kind of life, that kind of self-emptied life that looks like the self-emptied life of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, as we come before you and as we bow our hearts before you, Lord, we think that you're at work among us. And we think that you're speaking to us. And we think that you're calling us. Lord, we pray that you would help us to respond to you. Lord, help us to give ourselves completely and unreservedly to you. Help us to live like you so that the world might see you in us. Lord, we want to be holy. We want to be like Jesus. We want to live like him and we want to love like him. And we can't do that on our own. We need your Holy Spirit. And so Holy Spirit, would you please fill up our lives with your life would you please change our lives and make them like the life of Jesus? Lord, whatever we have, wherever we are in our walk of faith, wherever we are in our trust of you, whether we're holding on to control or hesitating or holding back or whether we're pursuing you with reckless abandonment, Lord, we pray that you would meet with us in this moment, and that you would help us to come as we are, to come in the quietness of a, of a silent prayer, to come by kneeling before you here on the floor at a makeshift altar, or whether it be by sitting and quietly asking you, please, to come. Lord, help us to come as we are and to give ourselves completely to you.